Welcome to Light Steps Live. Our mission is to open the Word of God to edify the believer and evangelize the world, that people who follow Jesus can walk in the light as He is in the light. Matthew chapter number 7. Today we're going to pick it right up where we left off. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 7. And uh, you'll hear me reference uh, Matthew 7, 12, uh, both uh, in this this session and in our next session, it's, it's just a critical verse. It, it you know feels like to me some things hinge right around that. Um, but let's pick it up right now in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find a knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be open. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Amen. I love this passage. I mean, I love it. I have been fighting the temptation to to go here and then to go over to Luke 11 and to share from it twofold and to talk about the differences. I'm not going to do it. Everybody remain calm. I want to. I want to. I love this passage. You know, um, I'm not very good at, at car buying. Maybe some of you guys are. I'm just not. And the, uh, the last car I bought, I bought from, from Danville Toyota and I was all psyched up for it to be super hard. And, and I was, you know, I'd found it on the internet and it was a used car and, and, um, I'd done my research. How much should the car sell for? And, um, and I had prepared my mind. I was driving over there that day, you know, and I was like, I'm going to be tough. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to really get things done. And, uh, and they had a price on the car advertised on the internet. And I told the guy, I says, I want to see these two cars. So I did like two of them. I like one of them more than the other. Like, yeah, I would like to see all these two cars, you know, and the guy was super helpful and super patient. And, I, I got in one car. I didn't even drive it. I didn't like the way it's set. You know, I'm a big guy and if you can't sit there for five minutes. What makes you think you're going to sit there driving down the road for five hours or something? So I got in the other car, liked it right away, drove it, you know, and loved it so much. I was having trouble hiding my exuberance. You know, I'm still, you know, in total actor mode. The guy's like, what do you think? How does it handle? How does it drive? You know, I'm like, it's fine. You know, playing that playing that game, and um, I already knew the price I was going to offer the guy, and I expected all of this, uh, you know, trouble to ensue or whatever. And we go in the office, and he's like, "What do you think?" And I'm like, uh, "Well, I'll give you X amount of dollars for this car, and that's it." And um, and I wasn't joking. I wasn't trying to figure out how to meet him in the middle. I was like, "This is my price," and. And I was expecting the guy to, you know, do that whole, let me go talk to the manager thing. And, and, um, if anybody's watching this and having to be a car salesman, I probably just don't understand how it all works. Um, but he didn't, he, he just said, he says, uh, hold on, let me grab this paper. And I thought he was finding a fancy way of telling me, let me go talk to the boss man. 
But he didn't. He just walked over to this other desk and he got this paper and he comes back and he looks at it and he, um, and he says, uh, he, he comes back with a number and there's only $125 more than what I'd say. I mean, $125 when you're spending like 12 grand is, yeah, you know. And I was floored and I was having trouble containing that I was floored. Uh, um, and I was like, you know, saying to myself, why in the world did they list it so high if they were willing to do this? You know, why, where's this game? And I was, I was going a little crazy. I think sometimes when it comes to talking to God, we get so jacked up in anticipation that it, it just blocks us, you know? Um, and I don't have a better illustration than how frustrated I feel in buying anything really, but especially, you know, a car, they cost a lot. And my wife is driving that car every day. And I'm telling y'all, I had been thinking about it for weeks and really thinking about it for days and had been really thinking about it that morning. I had prayed about that thing. I was so messed up talking to that salesman. I could, I was just struggling to act natural. I think we get that way about prayer. And I love this passage because it just gives you some baseline things that ought to radically change your prayer life. Just some baseline things. And this goes deeper than I'm going to go today. And the reason why, let me go ahead and let this little cat out of the bag. The reason why I think this passage is so needed for us today is because the circumstances we're all enduring, right? Th those circumstances feed the, the, the frustration we all feel. And that frustration, I think, tends to, to block up our prayer life. We feel inadequate. We feel powerless. Uh, we, we feel like, um, uh, you know, we, we say this and, and, and maybe it's not heard or, or, you know, we feel as we go to the throne room of heaven, like I feel when I go to the showroom of the car dealership. So inadequate, so ill-equipped, um, um, that, that, you know, your conversation is convoluted. Your hearing is blocked. And, you know, the cool thing was, um, yeah, we, uh, we left there with that car that day. And I was amazed at how simple it was. Within, within a few moments, the papers were drawn up and we drove away. And I think we'd be surprised. We'd be surprised at how fulfilling our prayer life can be if we, if we, you know, took what Jesus is saying here to heart. So there's three, there's three basic concepts here that Jesus exhorts us to consider. Um, you know, first, ask, seek, and knock, okay? And on the one hand, on the one hand, you can be tempted. We can be tempted to think this is about the persistence of the asker, the seeker, the knocker. Uh, I don't think it's like that. I, I don't. You can look at it like that, you know, what some people call the, the beggars model. Let's just be beggars. Let's beg. Um, um, let's beg until we can make someone listen. I, I don't prefer that. I, I prefer to think of this as not being the beggars model, but to be the hearers model. In other words, we're not, we're not 
flooding the asking, flooding the seeking, flooding the knocking to get God's attention. I think Jesus is revealing we have God's attention. And because God is always hearing, we should always be asking, always be seeking, always be knocking. Do, do you see the difference? It, I, I'd even challenge you to pause, pause right here. Just pause. Uh, cut me off and think about this a little bit. You can choose to look at it as I'm going to be someone who makes a calamitous noise consistently until I get God's attention. Or you can see it as in Christ Jesus, I have the Father's attention. So because I have the Father's, Father's uh, attention, I'm going to ask, I'm going to seek, I'm going to knock. I think Jesus is speaking into the latter. I do. We're, we're not trying to get the Father's attention. We have the Father's attention. We're not making all that noise so God will listen. God is listening. So we're continually speaking to him. You know, um, I go back to my, I know it's silly. All, all illustrations break down at some point. But uh, I go back to that, that day, you know, I bought that car. Um, I rolled up on the lot, and I'm telling you, man, them guys, those, those guys were ready to sell cars. They, they met me. You know, we parked over here, and this, we were walking up to that front, man. Like three guys came out like, hey, can I help you or whatever. And um, they were ready to sell cars. I'm telling you, your father's ready to listen, and your father is listening. You know that you that you say that you begin to pray, that you begin to speak with God. You've already got His ear in Christ Jesus. You've already got His ear. And what's interesting too, and, and I, I can't, I can't afford. I'm watching the clock just burn away on us. Don't forget what we talked about in our last session. This was this this last session was talking about judging others, and so you know what what you see here is you know it's, it's, don't look at the speck in your brother's eye, look at the log in your eye, and then you immediately go uh, ask seek knock. So we take a look at ourselves and we go, man, I need help, I need God. Well, in Christ Jesus, we have God's attention, we have God's ear. So saying, all right, now you've got a problem. Go ask God. You've got an issue. Go ask God. And and I uh, just because I see time flying by, let let me hone in real quick on ask, seek, and knock. Okay, we, we've we've covered one critical thing. You can look at this like a beggar who has to make a calamitous noise to get God's attention, or you can look at it as 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 a child who already has a listening father. I choose the latter. I am a child of God through Christ Jesus. I'm in covenant relationship. I'm adopted. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I am in relationship with God. And because I'm in relationship with God, not based on my goodness, but based on the goodness of Jesus, I already have the Father's ear. The Father's listening. So ask. Ask means, drum roll, ask means ask. Right? I love to teach, I love to teach kids the acts acrostic, A-C-T-S, you know, uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. I love to share with them that by the time you get the supplication after you've adored God, confessed your sins, gave thanks, your asking is altered. Your asking has been elevated to a higher level. That's true. 
think about it through these these terms of what we've already gone through. After we've taken a look at ourselves, taken a look at our hearts, after we've taken a look at what it means to be anxious or to trust God, after we've after we've got our focus off of judging others and judging ourselves, now I ask. You know, you go back through the Sermon on the Mount. By the time we get to ask, your asking is different if you've come through that 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 arena. Okay. But seek implies relationship. Ask does too. You know, ask the one you're in relationship with. But seek sort of has that idea like a like a kid who's in the house and and they they need to talk to their mom. They go searching the house for their mom. I, I what I like about seek is it's more about looking for that abiding fellowship with God, which is really critical. And then knock means that we're going after something that's inaccessible to us. So we're asking God. We've come into His presence, and now for the God for whom nothing is impossible, we're asking to access something that's not accessible to us. And every one of these gives you a reason to do it. All right, if you if you just look at it, uh, ask, ask. Uh, why should I ask? Because everyone who asks receives. Why should I seek? Because the one who seeks finds. Why should I knock? Because the one who knocks is opened. So you see that you can look at this as the beggar or God. You're the beggar or God's the hearer. All right. The latter. Uh, ask because you have his ear and you'll receive. Seek because he wants fellowship with you. And guess what? You'll find him. Uh, knock because he it's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He'll open things to you. Now we need to see a bit of indefatigable logic. We have climbed the steps and now we're going to fly down the slide. What he goes on to say is, okay, okay, guys. Um, you know, verses nine through 11 are really critical. I would like to take basically a couple of hours and unfold them, but I'm not. I'm going to take a couple of minutes. They're really beautiful. What he does, he says, okay, you know, all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He says, okay, so by that standard, everyone is evil. By comparison to the holiness of God, everyone is evil. Yet among even evil people, we see fathers who answer better than their children ask. He says, even among broken people, we see fathers who answer better than their children ask. That's what he gets at in verses 9 through 11. He says, okay, so you got a son, okay, and your son asks you for bread. You're not going to give him a rock. There's no, even among the evil, there are sensible people who know how to ask. And so then he gives us this piece of logic that is flat out amazing. You got to go to Luke 11 to see the, the fullness of this. Uh, but here in, in, in Matthew chapter 7, uh, he just says this, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your father who's in heaven give give good things to those who ask him? He says, if evil, broken, sin-maligned people can give good gifts, then what can holy, uns, uh, you know, unstained by sin God give? When Luke 11, he says he'll give the Holy Spirit. How much more will he give you the Holy Spirit? Wow. Good stuff. Good stuff. So in other words, um, if among broken people, a father can give good gifts, then imagine the good gifts that unbroken God can give us. 
So, um, I want to leave. I want us to leave off on a note of ministry. That's why I wanted to include verse number twelve. Okay. So he says in the next verse. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. That is critical. Whatever you can imagine that you would like someone to do for you, go do that for them now. So, so grab your family. You know, maybe you need to make a list. Write down all your family. Mom, dad, brothers, sisters, cousins, nieces, nephews, your cousins, cousins, right? And say, if all of these people were praying for me, what would I want them to pray for me? I'm going to go pray this for them. Write down your church family. If all of these people were praying for me, this is what I'd want. I want to be praying. I, I have the ear of the Father. Through Christ Jesus, I have the ear of the Father. What am I going to say to him? Okay. I want to connect. I want, so, so, you know, you go back to judging in our last session. Now he says, listen, stop that mess. Get with God. Talk to God. Ask the knock. God's going to give you good things. So what would you want people to, to do for you, ask for you? Live that kind of ministry. Live that kind of ministry. Does that make sense? I, Lord, I pray it makes sense. I flew through that. That is such a rich passage. In these crazy times we are living in, it is critical that we have an abiding, vital relationship with God whereby we know that we have the ear of heaven through the Lord Jesus and that our good father is hearing and answering and also giving us vital ministry to do to bless others. Critical. Thank you for joining us on Light Steps Live today. My name is Katie Bose, and the rest of our production team is Andrew Liggett, Shannon Allen, and Steve Riley. Music provided by Banjo Ben Clark. Connect with Banjo Ben at banjobenclark.com. Tim Bose is a pastor of East Rock Community Church and the executive director of My Life Matters, a gospel ministry with a focus on making disciples who become lifelong followers of Jesus. Discover more about My Life Matters at mylifematters.club. Mm-hmm.